I'm Anna. And I'm Jillian. And this is the Hat Picks Podcast. Just two dope ladies talking about soccer from across the country on the podcast no one asked for. Merry Hat Picksmith, everyone! Welcome back. So glad to have you here. It is right before Christmas and this episode, I mean, all of our episodes are gifts to you, let's be real. But this one in particular is a special, special gift to you, our listeners. Thanks, our parents. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And spouses. Yeah, yes, yeah, our spouses. And for those of you who are not related to us in any way and uh, still listen. You're incredible. You are a gift to us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's well, true. This week, in a special holiday edition, and by that I mean we're still recording in our normal schedule, but it just happens to be close to a holiday. So so we're calling it a holiday edition. Holiday edition of Hat Picks. This week, we are going to be talking about a game that happened not last week, but last century. <gasps> Go crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so today... We are going to be reviewing, giving you our hat picks from the one, the only 1999 Women's World Cup final with the United States versus China. Woo! Boo boo, Zayla. Boing! I'm going to find one of those in post. <laughs> Very important. Um, yes, I have recently discovered sound effects, as uh, listeners who listened to the last podcast will know, and I'm never looking back. So, yeah. very excited about that. <laughs> All right, Anna, tell us a little bit about this game. All right. We're just going to go through some of the basics um, before we get into our hat picks because we understand that you guys um, are listening because you love us and don't probably know a ton about this game. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We're here to educate. Yes. So here you go. So this game was, like Julie mentioned, the USA versus China. It happened in Pasadena, California at the Rose Bowl on July 10th, 1999, with um, a massive audience, but we'll get to that later. Don't want to spoil anything for you now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the head coach at the time was Tony DeChico. May he rest in peace. Um, he, at the time, he was the most winningest coach in U.S. Women's National Team history and is still known for being just an exceptional coach. All right, so the U.S. Women's National Team starting 11 for this game will have some names that you might recognize, some names that you don't, but they're all incredible, important players in U.S. Women's National Team history. In goal, we have Brianna Scurry, Joy Fawcett, Carla Overbeck, Kate Sobrero, who you might know now as Kate Markgraf, who is the general manager for the U.S. Women's National Team. Nice. Brandy, yeah. Brandy <laughs> Chastain, Michelle Akers, Julie Foudy, Christine Lilly, Mia Hamm, Cindy Parlow, and Tiffany Milbrett. Icons. Cindy Parlow, now Cohn, is also currently the president of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Super cool. So legends then, legends now. What? You love to see it. Love to see it. So how exciting that this was, in fact, a win for the U.S. Women's National Team. But if you don't know, this game actually was 0-0 after 120 minutes, which is not so but so. And it was in California, Southern California, in the summer. Anna can attest. Yeah. It can get a little toasty. Yeah, it's real warm. <laughs> um, so it was hot as hell, and they had to play for so long. So the U.S. women's national team won in penalties 5-4. to four. So the scores that we have for the USA, we'll get more into this later, but just for now, give you a little teaser if you will. We've got Overbeck, Fawcett, Lily, Ham, and Chastain as the scorers. And then for China, they only miss one penalty, which is what results in their loss. So I also want to say that these are the queens that we grew up with. Like, these are the people who inspired us to love soccer. And some of these may names may not sound like as familiar to you all. Some will like Mia Hamm maybe, but these were the trailblazers for our sport. If it gives you some perspective about who we talk about a lot today, like the Tobin Heaths and the Crystal Duns of their time, yeah. in a way. They were so amazing, and so we're so jazzed to talk about them and this game. It was great. Yeah. So I'm going to start us off with my number three hat pick, which Jillian very <laughs> smartly called the hair pick. 
because <laughs> I'm focusing right now on their hair. Okay. Now, I know this might seem like a silly pick in one of the most monumental games in the US and like in US women's soccer history, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> Cuz it's our podcast and you can't tell us what to do. And these players are style icons. I mean, I would be remiss not to talk about it. So contrary to every bone in my body, this is in no way a sarcastic pick. This is not a critique of these players' hairstyles. This is <laughs> awe and inspiration in its truest form. I just, I just felt like I had to give a disclaimer because it can sound quite sarcastic. We thought about having this as an honorable mention this week, and then we were like, no, it has to be an actual pick. <laughs> It's just too good. So now we're going to keep in mind, this is 1999. We're in peak scrunchy era, like yes. OG scrunchy era. Yes. Well, I guess it started in the 80s, but like in our childhood, yes. peak scrunchy era. They were bigger than they are now, both in their place in fashion and their actual size. They were huge. And these players are a time capsule of hairstyles for specifically women's athletes at the time. Definitely. So, so now we're going to dive in. I'm going to focus on two specific <laughs> hairdos. However, I would like to point out that Kate Sobrero, her hair at the time was a shade of red orange that I truly didn't know hair dye could do. But I'm just going to skip over that because that one could turn into a sarcastic pick. So I'm not going to do that. We're going to keep it classy here on hat picks. Yeah. I'd like to start with Carla Oberbeck, our captain, our fearless leader, queen of the defenders, if you will. If and you will. We always will. <laughs> And now that I'm thinking about it, I think this kind of might be a defender thing because Becky Sauerbrunn also has the iconic hair with the power braid. TM. Oh, and so does Allie Krieger with her power bun. Yeah. So Carla Overbeck has kind of like shortest hair at the time. For all you listeners whose hair is long enough to put into a ponytail, you know when you have those sections of hair that you miss in your ponytail <laughs> and they just kind of like limply lay down your back and then you notice it three hours later when you're trying to like fix your hair? You you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're embarrassed to, to acknowledge it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep. So now imagine that your hair is short, maybe like just shy of shoulder length, and that hair lying limply down your back is like a quarter of your ponytail. <laughs> we'll do some like close-up screenshots of these players in this game just so that you can get a taste of yeah, the and, high quality. <laughs> and you can appreciate what I'm talking about because that's Carla Overbeck's hairdo. Also add a huge scrunchie and also add sweat because sports. Yes, gross, but yes, true. <laughs> it's just an amazing, amazing look. So that's that's the first one I focused on because it is, wow, incredible. So now I'd like to focus on the creme de la creme, Michelle Akers, one oh. of the best central midfielders of all time. All time. Like, all time. Also, I would wager, one of the most distinguishable hairdos of all time because all time. <laughs> to this day... Her hair is pretty similar. <laughs> yes. yes. In 20 years. And it was, no, in 20 years. And that's the way it always looked. If you look back to pictures of her in the 80s, it also was the same. She has like 40 years, probably not changed her hairdo. You Which, go. I mean, that's some commitment and I appreciate it. Like we mentioned, it's similar with the Krieger bun and the Sour Bun braid, like iconic hairstyles. Now, I think first with Michelle Akers, it is important to note that she has so so much hair at this time yeah. and it is so curly and so thick. yeah it's already a lot to manage now I think it's also important to note that Michelle Akers essentially has a mullet I think it's safe to call it a mullet it's a mullet she has a mullet I think it's very safe <laughs> and now lastly quite possibly the most important aspect of all of this is that her hair is never in a ponytail and Ever. Which is the, like unfathomable this in woman, sports. Yeah, this woman wears her hair, like her long mullet hairstyle free in the wind while she plays. Not to mention, like at the time, the uniforms that they were wearing were essentially parachutes <laughs> in and of themselves. Yes. So it's a miracle that she or really any of the players got anywhere in any sort of timely fashion. I know that if the wind blows the wrong way and my hair is even remotely near my line of sight, <laughs> I lose my shit. I've seen it happen. <laughs> Could that be due to my general lack of patience? Sure, quite possibly. 
But that is neither here nor there. I can't even fathom playing a whole soccer game and playing it exceptionally well with my hair down. But she did it well. She did it well. And that's really why this is my hair pick because I couldn't I couldn't just leave it alone. I wrote it in my notes. I have a notebook that I take notes in while I watch games and I literally wrote it down because it was so distracting. It was like the first thing she texted me when she started watching it. She's like, can their hair be one of the picks? And I was like, well, obviously, yes. <laughs> Definitely. And with the chonky ponytails, a lot of these players had them. They had their thick ass hair cut in one layer that made the ends get too thick. And then they made really thick chonky ponytails. I did it in the 90s. I get it. it. Yeah. We all learn about layers too late in life after we have so many pieces of photographic evidence of our bad hair choices. Yep. So many school pictures. Yeah. And you know what? At least we don't have it documented in sports history. (laughs) So you win some, you lose some. But that's my number three hat pick. I know it might seem stupid, and quite frankly, it probably is, but I could, I just couldn't ignore it. I couldn't. It's too amazing. Nope, could not ignore it. It's overpowering. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, I mean, it was legit like a time capsule, just like watching, watching this. It was really, it was really cool to see. And also makes me grateful for the strides and clothing and hair that we've made in the last 20 years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Moving on. Thank you, Anna. That lovely hair pick. You're welcome. My number three hat pick is the attendance of this game. So we mentioned this earlier, that it was a lot of people that were at this game, but we didn't tell you how many because it was not so but so. It was so many. 90,185 people were at this game in 1999. I mean... This is a big deal for a number of reasons. And as our good friend Anna, my pod mate over it here me. says, I will enumerate them for you now. <laughs> wow, I really do sound like a pretentious asshole when other people say the words <laughs> that I say. Oh, it's yikes. Okay, though. Is an imitation like the greatest form of flattery or whatever? That's the nicest I'll ever give you. So. <laughs> I'll take anyway, it. Anyway, so I will enumerate them for you now. So number one. It was and still is a legit record for a women's sporting event. Broke a record then and no one has broken it now for a women's sporting event. And you think about like how big a deal the World Cup is for women now. I mean, I think the team is as famous as it has ever been. But the Rose Bowl is a big ass venue and they sold that shit out. So a record breaking event still holds the record to this day. That's a big deal. It's also a big deal in my mind, number two, because this record was set in 1999. I think it's big for the time period because I don't think that women's sports, honestly, still not that popular today. Do not have like the same level engagement and viewership as men's sports, which is not cool. Women's sports are dope, but just the reality. And so if you're thinking about in 1999, the fact that that record was set and it hasn't been broken since, that is also a big deal just for the time period that it was happening. But it's also big because if you think about it, the U.S. women's national team, many of you may not know this, was only 15 years old at this point. So they played their first ever game in 1985 against Italy and lost. But this, like the creation of this team came about because of Title IX, which resulted in colleges basically having to legally like provide women's sports teams if they provided a men's sports team. And thus thusly there were lots more women playing soccer and so the coach mike ryan like gathered a bunch of players college players and it was like a ragtag group and this group eventually grew to be the u.s women's national team who won their first world cup in 1991 which was the first ever world cup it wasn't actually called the world cup then but they like retroactively like called it that because that's what they did it for men even though they won this they won the equivalent of a World Cup for women in 1991, they were still like pretty obscure and like relatively unknown. And I read somewhere that they had this like a couple of people from like the U.S. Soccer Federation welcomed them back after winning the World Cup. And it's like, what the, what the, <laughs> like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> it feels different. I don't know why. <laughs> I say it all the time in real life. I don't know why it's a problem here. Sorry, kids. Anyway, what the fuck? <laughs> That's messed up. And I didn't know this until I was kind of researching for the pod that they were on a relative hiatus after that because, like, the U.S. was, like, preparing for the Men's World Cup, which 
does them a whole lot of good. <laughs> How many have the men won? I don't remember. Mm, I, I'm going to need to Google it. Oh, wait, it's none. <laughs> I know that for sure. So they were on hiatus and only played two times in 1992. And it's like, wow, what the actual hell? U.S. soccer, you will regret this because your men will never be as good as your women. So Facts. There was another World Cup they lost, whatever. But then in 1996, the U.S. Women's National Team wins the inaugural women's soccer tournament at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, which I think then kickstarted their popularity. But like, holy crap, I didn't know that the first women's soccer tournament in the Olympics was only in 1996. I don't know why I didn't know that, but like, that is shocking. Like, that is definitely within our lifetime. Thinking three years later, here we are in Pasadena at the World Cup final. Three years is not like a lot of time to drum up that kind of support for an international sport. You know, it's not something like the NBA that's going on all the time or having like high level of play or the WNBA. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Finger guns. (laughs) (laughs) But they did it and they filled up the Rose Bowl and they did it well. And so that's just dope as hell. And coming back around, that was a very long number two. But number three is, this was a big deal because it was so loud. Oh, my God. It was insanely loud. You can hear it if you, like, re-watch the game now. It gets so loud. Sometimes you can't fully hear the announcers yeah. because it was so loud. The the announcers, JP Delacamera, and who actually still announces the Women's World Cup games. I was like, wow, his voice sounds so familiar. It's because he's still doing it. And Wendy Gebauer even said that some of the players on the field might have a difficult time hearing each other because of the noise level. And it's like totally apparent when you're listening to it. It's I'd had to be deafening in the moment. And to, I would say, be in relative obscurity like five or six years ago and then like be playing in front of like in one of the largest venues in the United States. Like that's that's huge. I also wanted to point out that this is in stark contrast <laughs> to the conditions under which teams are playing in 2020, which is no fans which I feel like has to be another level of like weird, especially if you're used to having at least some people cheering you on. Just wowzers, wowzers on that front. Yeah, and I also, when I was watching, re-watching this game, because I rewatched it for this, I hadn't watched it probably since 1999, <laughs> quite honestly. And you can tell that the viewership is are, on TV are new viewers because the commentators mention rules as they're talking through the game. Like they talk about why Brianna Scurry is able to pick up the ball when a defender heads it back to her versus when it gets passed back and she can't pick up the ball or why during a free kick players are lining up 10 um, yards away. They're educating viewers so that when those viewers ideally come back they're prepared to know what's going on which was incredible it's just really cool being inclusive like that you know like some people try to do (laughs) 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 just all around just i mean the attendance viewership all this is a huge deal and to see so much support for a women's sports team is rare in general so to see it 20 years ago. I think that's why this deserves a hat pick. Insert cool sound effect here. (laughs) (laughs) That, yeah, that's all very true. And it was incredible to watch. And I mean, they still remain incredible to watch. Hell yeah. Just, just so good. Now my number two hat pick, I kind of went from something one might call ridiculous (laughs) to... (laughs) Something that's actually like very impressive about this team, and that's the the U.S. Women's National Team defense during this game. And I know that I've mentioned it on a pod before that I, when I played soccer, I was a defender um, and also a keeper. So I, while I appreciate what every player offers to a team, I'm constantly in awe of defenders, and that was so intensely clear during this game. The back line for the U.S. Women's National Team in this final is as iconic as the. Listen, they're called the Department of Defense. Okay? You can Google it. Department of Defense 2015 Women's World Cup. You're laughing at me. We okay, you guys know we have a shared doc that we look off of for notes and stuff, but I'm just like reading this before she says it. <laughs> Sorry. 
I di- it's important. We digress. <laughs> Department of Defense. 2015 Women's World Cup. So on the back line in 1999, we've got Brandy Chastain, Joy Fawcett, Kate Sobrero, and Carla Overbeck. Obviously, China got to the final for being an incredible team and having a great tournament, but that back line is so intimidating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, I would probably shit my pants. Mm-hmm. So just kind of out the gate, in the third minute, a dangerous ball gets sent by a Chinese midfielder, and Brandy Chastain gets her head to it and clears the ball like a solid 20 yards with just her head. She was a one-woman defensive line when doing that. I saw, I, I took a note of that. I was like, I don't know how we can incorporate this in, but this needs to be on there because it was, it was also a bullet of a head or two. I mean, she got it way out. It was incredible to see. Yeah, and it also kind of like like triggered in my head. Like it's no surprise that a handful of the, like the players on this team have been involved in concussion research because some of them had the ball like 20 or 30 yards after it's been like skyrocketed at their head, right. which is – just it it's not great it's not good but also is very impressive (laughs) so a few minutes later china comes back with a couple strong opportunities which are really kind of the first test for the usm's national defense but they fully cleared the ball to the other half of the field in like 20 seconds (laughs) It, it was like nothing for them for most of the first half all of china's chances get stopped at the half line like at the midfield line the defense is pushed up so far that the only way to get past them is sending a long ball over them <laughs> just like the ball would get to them at the midfield and they're like oh no thou shalt not pass sorry <laughs> that's not happening and then around the 18th minute china did just that they sent the long ball over and carla overbeck jumped so high to get the ball headed down to brianna scurry just so that she could get pick it up i didn't know that being able to get that much height mid stride was possible. No, I, <laughs> I, I was just in awe. We see like multiple chances get shut down at the midfield, but in the 21st minute, Brandy Chastain wins a challenge against Puey, and this is like the theme of the defense: shut them down at midfield and then send it back up. Don't give China any offensive chances whatsoever. Shortly after, Soon Wen, who is the captain for the Chinese team and it's, this is also her third world cup which was bonkers to yeah. me had the best chance of the game and it was still shut down before she got to the 18 yeah. what our good friend jp della camera as i have called him commentator for the ages <laughs> mentioned that around the 30th minute that this game has been taken over by the defense he meant for both the u.s and china china's we're not talking about them right now too <laughs> but the u.s defense really neutralized all offensive chances from China, particularly neutralizing Sun Wen, who was kind of their biggest offensive weapon. And she was shut down by Sobrero all the time. Sobrero would like sprint and just be like, oh, no, you you can't go here now. None shall Bye. pass. And the second player on the ball was this theme that they did. I mentioned that the defenders would shut it down at midfield and then send the ball up, but there was always kind of like a midfielder around. So a defender would shut down the ball. And when it got like free from that challenge, a midfielder would pick it up and move it forward too. So if it wasn't getting sent downfield, they had a backup at midfield with a midfielder. And it was just like a one, two shut down China, get the ball back forward. Every time it was so impressive it was so impressive and so i mean what a slog that must have been for china yeah like i mean i we'll talk about it later and i mean it was a slog for the u.s too but just having to do that that might be like sort of part of your plan for part of a game but like if that is you for if you're having to go up against that for 120 minutes jesus christ have mercy So I think at the 90th minute before we start extra time, the U.S. Women's National Team subs out Michelle Akers because of multiple reasons, but we'll get to talking about Michelle Akers later. (laughs) So she gets subbed out. Joy Fawcett, uh, who is playing right back, now takes over the position of central midfielder. They sub on, I think, Sarah Whalen for Michelle Akers, which is a good sub and she's a great player, but she's, she's a midfielder. And they put Joy Fawcett into the midfield instead of Sarah Whalen. That's how versatile this team has been. And the U.S. Women's National Team outside backs have always been versatile players. And I think that this demonstrates that just as much as players like Kelly O'Hara and Crystal Dunn Mm -hmm. do now. But the versatility, the knowledge, the skill, unparalleled. You love to see it. You love to see it. In extra time, 
and I think this is really what sealed the deal for me on making this my hat pick, was in extra time, it's the closest China actually comes to scoring a goal. They have a corner kick in the 100th minute. It gets headed towards the goal, goes past Brianna Scurry. And just when you think it's going to go into the goal, Christine freaking Lily is there with the header to keep it out. Christine freaking Lily, who's not even on the defense. She's a midfielder, but she's there on the front post, ready for that corner kick, knows what her job is, and crushes it. Scurry like saves that goal and penalties later. Brandy Chastain has her great moment scoring the final penalty, but like they would have lost this game if it had not been for Christine Lilly doing that. Like I was like, we have to mention this. We have to bring it up because yeah. it gives you chills and it's stressful to watch in the moment. And you're like, this happened 20 years ago. The fate is sealed. <laughs> and yet here I am in 2020 being stressed. <laughs> Yeah. And it reminded me of in 2015 in the Women's World Cup with our Department of Defense, um, in the USA versus Sweden game, Megan Klingenberg delivers a similar save on on the line. And it is just like a flashback. It's it's the same thing. (laughs) It was wild. Anyway, the USA defense truly kept all Chinese chances at bay and just crushed it the entire game. Did not give China a chance at all. And it was so good. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. That was so amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. That was so great. It was so good. Oh my God, thank you. you. So <laughs> anyway, on to me. <laughs> All right. Back to important things that Jillian's going to say. <laughs> hat pick number two. My hat pick is merely Michelle Akers, a.k.a. The baddest OG bitch out there. Oh, my God. It's true. And I will say, like, Michelle Akers is not somebody that I, like, really grew up. She was not a household name for me. It was not until I got older that I, like, sort of recognized her not only dominance on the team, but just influence. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. This is just – it's all about her. (laughs) She was also at the end of her career, right, as we were old enough to understand what was happening. So she was not – like, me – you know, I had, like, a poster of Mia Hamm in my room, like – got to have Randy Chastain and Mia Hamm sign some stuff like when I was younger like they were my people but Michelle Akers was at the tail end so very glad as an adult that I can now appreciate her and so glad that Anna has pointed out her beautiful curly mullet so that we can also appreciate that but as stunning as that is this this is not a hair pick it's just a regular hat pick I'm gonna cover <laughs> up that hair for a second with a hat <laughs> god Ooh, that was good been sitting on that one <laughs> So this is just this is just an all-around praise of Michelle Akers. I'm going to give you a little background on her just so you know who she is, but her play in this game is as good a play as you'd probably see. I mean, she's so great in so many games, but, like, this is just – she still does so well under so much pressure. Also important to note that um, I have decided that she is uh, the tower of power of her time, a title that she shares – because Anna said so <laughs> with Cindy Parlow, who was also very tall. So Sam Mewis being called the Tower of Power. I was like, oh, Michelle Aker is also a Tower of Power. Cindy Parlow, also great, but we're not talking about her. <laughs> also, she, along with Chinese player Soon Wen, who is the captain and like probably the best player on the Chinese team, won Player of the Century in 2002, which is like not Player of the Year, not Player of the Decade, Player of the Century. So just to get you familiar with like the level of play here she's amazing and a badass she is 33 when this game is happening which by today's standards is not old but had been playing with the u.s women's national team since the inception and has has dealt with a ton of injury like even didn't play in that first game against italy in 1985 because she was dealing with an injury so has suffered through a lot done a lot but is still out there still playing to this day is still and the top five goal scorer for the U.S. Women's National Team tied with our very own Alex Morgan, baby horse, baby horse, <laughs> with 107 goals. She is the goddamn queen. <laughs> goddamn true queen. Story. She shows her true colors in this game, shows she displays all of her strengths for us just on a silver platter, says, hi, my name is Michelle Akers. Look at my mullet. Look what I can do. <laughs> and it is great. <laughs> But I would say that she's doing all of this while she's suffering a shoulder injury, which she didn't even get on the field. It's because a fan grabbed her. What a little shit. I don't even know who it is, but like, wow, what a dick move. And also, after a game that she didn't even play in. (laughs) 
why? Why do you touch people? Stop touching people. Consent is important, folks. Anyway, she proves herself absolutely essential in the midfield, I would say, right from the beginning. this Obviously, this game was tied 0-0. It happened 20 years ago. No one scored in regulation or overtime. So, like, any chance that she got was not going to go in, and we knew that. But, like, she still created so many opportunities for this team. One of my favorites was very early on in the game. I don't know the exact minute because I have it written down somewhere else and I didn't write it down here. So here we are. But it this was a this was a chance. This was probably one of the first shots on goal that the USA had. And she was between like perfectly placed in between the midfield and the 18 and had an absolute bullet of a shot. I mean, I can't even tell you how much power was behind that ball. And goalkeeper Gao Hong got to it, unfortunately, for the U.S. But, oh my gosh, it was so powerful. This was just, like, the first instance of her being consistently powerful on the ball in this game. Yeah, and we're not talking about Gao Hong, um, but she's an incredible keeper, and we'll kind of mention a little bit later. But Gao Hong straight up, like, caught that ball out of air, like, it was... (laughs) It was like, you know, when you see those magicians who like catch a bullet as it's like flying past them, it was like that. Gao Hong just like grabs it and she's just like, it's mine now. You thought, you thought, but I have it now. It's mine. Okay. But back to Michelle Akers. Yes. Back to Michelle Akers. (laughs) Another thing that I love about Michelle Akers is how physical she is on the field. I'm a pretty physical player on the field. Like I'm, I'm hip checking, I'm sliding, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And so to see this, this is like inspiring. It's the player, the kind of player I love to see. You'll love to see. You love to see it. She is consistently fighting hard for the ball. She's sliding, making challenges, winning challenges. And she puts her body on the line for the sport, hands down. Like at one point, she actually, I think, earns herself a yellow card. It was her second of the tournament. I think the only person on the U.S. team to even earn a yellow card because she is kind of going she and Gao Hong are kind of like jumping at the same time for a ball but she is jumping with such force that like when she misses it she legit rolls past the like past the back line and into the signs by the fans like it was epic it was truly hardcore parkour yes (laughs) but poor her I mean that had to hurt like hell oh yeah especially with her hurt shoulder yeah but she did it and she got back up and she kept playing I mean this was this happened out throughout the whole game where she would just like go down and she would go down hard and then she would get up because she's just throwing herself to get at the ball and to make stuff happen and I will say just to be totally honest like she did flub a few times with some passes and she definitely did overshoot some balls as she was like making crosses or passing up field Sometimes she would just put way too much on it and wouldn't get it to anybody. But she's towards the end of her career, injured, and was still an anchor for the team. Even with those mistakes that she made, was still such a pivotal player out on that field. I would say such an essential playmaker that as soon as she was taken off, like the commentators noted how much she was missed already. Everybody on the field is great, but that she was just such a pivotal person in that midfield, so... I think with Michelle Akers, knowing that she was at the end of her career, she literally left it all on the field. Yeah. She she wasn't going to – she was going out swinging. If they were going to win or lose, she wasn't going to say, oh, that wasn't my best game. She was going to leave it all out there, and she really did. She wasn't going to let anything be like, oh, well, I could have done that. I could have done that. She just did it. And that's, I think that was something that was probably really consistent about the way she played her entire career. You know, the commentators were saying like, she plays every game like it's her last and she just threw herself into the game, into that team. And it's why she's one of the greats. So thank you, Michelle Akers. You are legendary. (laughs) Oh, Sorry. No, you're not. I'm not. It was so good. (laughs) So funny. Anyway, legendary player. That's my number two. So, so good. I mean, she could she could easily be a number one hat pick. Oh yeah. But you know, we've got more important things we're talking about. (laughs) Yes. So moving on, as you know, we like to do an honorable mention because God forbid we can only choose three things. Yes. There's always something else we want to talk about. (laughs) And the honorable mention this week is the Chinese women's national team. Obviously, we're here to talk about the U.S. women's national team pretty obviously, much all the time. Obviously. More than we're going to talk about any other team. <laughs> but 
they did in fact play another team in this game. What? And yeah, I know, surprising. And that's uh China. So to get to the final, they had to defeat Okay, take a step back. So <laughs> the World Cup at this time was not as many teams as we see now. So to get to the final, China had to defeat Sweden, Australia, Ghana, who are the teams that they played in group play. Their um, quarterfinal was against Russia, and their semifinal was against Norway, who were the reigning champs. And China played well and fought hard in every match they had. Um, the head coach, Ma Yuanen, was very smart when it came to their substitutions, um, which I think is really where they excelled in terms of the long game. Yeah, They, they subbed really well. Two of the players that were subbed on took penalties when it came time for them. Very strategic move. Yeah, it was almost as if they were subbed on with the understanding that this game is almost certainly going to go to penalties and that they will be needed for that. Yeah. If that wasn't the thought, then they were just excellent choices. They they both made their penalties, which was also very impressive for coming on so late in the game. Gao Hong, the Chinese goalkeeper that we mentioned, had oh an exceptional God. game. Yeah. Exceptional game. She also had been a guest goalkeeping instructor at one of Tony DeChico, Art, the U.S. Women's National Team head coach, goalkeeping camps. Badass. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, she was that good. A few good saves in the first half um, off of really strong shots and chances, like the one from Michelle Akers that where she just like grabbed it. And she didn't just like tip the ball or punch it away, but she like full on grabbed the ball out of the air and was not allowing another U.S. player to come near it at all. Yeah. Like there was no chance. Chinese defense did a really good job, like we mentioned, shutting down the U.S. Women's National Team offense. They kept the U.S. Women's National Team scoreless and like that can't be overlooked. It's important to note that no team ever wants to go to penalties. Like that is not that is not how you want to win a game. They they noted it and like the commentator said it. They were like they want to finish this on the field. And that's how everybody feels like by the time you play through overtime, which is two additional 15 minute halves, you're so tired. And because you only get like a maximum of three subs. And so you have to be strategic about how you're playing. And especially if you have to play for a long time. But I will say, even as a fan, nobody wants things to go to penalties. But I have probably in my lifetime never seen a game quite as deserving of a penalty finish as this game. They were so evenly matched. I mean, I think there were points where the U.S. led in possession, but the Chinese team was so smart and so strategic. This was a defensive slog on both sides. The Chinese defense was incredible. They put up such a huge fight for the USA, who had tons of great chances, and none of them made it. So, I mean, I think that I think these were evenly matched squads and the Chinese team is I mean, really, they probably deserve their own hat pick, but this isn't about them. They just they did a great job. <laughs> yeah, we're only here to talk about the USA. Ugh. American exceptionalism. There's no problems with that. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we're only patriotic when it comes to soccer, OK? That's very <laughs> genuinely true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have for you this week. A joint number one, because that's what we do, because it's so hard for us to just, like, pick two different number ones when really we have the same idea for a number one, because it's just yeah. so great. So, this week, it is, insert drum roll here, <laughs> Brandy Chastain crushing the last penalty kick slash just the U.S. Women's National Team win in general. Hell Yeah. Before we dive in, before we get to the iconic celebration that everybody knows, I'm pretty sure they have a statue of it outside of the Rose Bowl now. <laughs> they do indeed. Before we get to the Chastain penalty kick, we're just going to dive in, talk a little bit about the penalties themselves and how we get here. We love history. Jillian was yeah. a history major. I don't know why I spoke of myself in the third person, but I was a history major. <laughs> we need to go back. We need to do a little history lesson on this. Talk about how yeah. we got to that point. So we have a full game. Extra time. We're still at 0-0. As we've mentioned many times, hope you're keeping up. We move on to a penalty shootout, which is, as we said, no one wants it. Nobody wants that shit. It's Never. terrible. So stressful. Yeah. As a spectator, I feel like my heart is in my throat and I get like panicky and then I like nervous eat. So I can't even pretend to imagine what it's like as a player to have played 120 minutes of soccer and then have to mentally prepare to go one-on-one -on -one with a goalkeeper. Like I would probably throw up. Legit. Like in my rec soccer league that I played in as an adult a few years ago, which was like co-ed, very low key, no pressure. We went to penalties one game 
and I legit I was like no I will not do this <laughs> like I could not I was like this is too stressful no thank you very much please imagine and I did that in front of like four people at like the JCC in St. Louis much less like the fucking Rose Bowl like holy crap good for you ladies China Chinese team and USA team so the penalties China starts us off they make their first penalty USA is up. Carla Overbeck, our captain, goes first. Important, I think, to see is that she's a defender. And so she it's it's a psychological thing. She doesn't go up against the keeper a lot, so the keeper doesn't know how to read her body as much mm-hmm. as they do an offensive player. Overbeck makes it. China, second penalty. They make it. USA, up for their second penalty. Fawcett, another defender, makes theirs. China misses their third penalty. We'll circle back to that one. The USA is up. Christine Lilly makes her penalty. And then China is up. And they make it. Mia Hamm is up for the USA. She makes it. China makes it. So now we're tied. 4-4 four, four penalties. <gasps> <laughs> Truly, watching it back, still so stressful. It really was. So Brandy Chastain comes up for the number five penalty spot. She's also a defender. And she makes it and we win. Yay. End of podcast. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) We won. So now we're going to dive into a little bit more Brandy Chastain's and uh, Liu Ying, who missed her penalty. Um, We're going to dive into those a little bit more. Liu Ying's penalty is stopped by Bryce Scurry. I was watching this and I literally texted Anna. I was like, Scurry's save would not have counted today because of FIFA rules. So... There is some contention on whether Scurry stepped off of her line before she was allowed. In the rules, You, the when the penalty is being taken, the goalie is not supposed to step off of the line until the ball is kicked. Scurry has, in fact, confirmed that she did step off her line, and we're looking at the footage. We were reviewing the footage, and she does, in fact, step off the line in every penalty, but she wasn't caught, and as Anna likes to say, tough titties. <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't I even caught wrote it right there. <laughs> she wasn't caught, but it, it was a rule then too. But there was no VAR. There was no video review. There was no or ref or whatever. Like she didn't get caught, and she stopped it, and it counted. So that's just that sucks, but also it doesn't suck for us. Yeah, I mean, we we won. So yeah, <laughs> the, the true American story. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So Brandy Chastain has encountered Gao Hong before. So I did research. Wow. Um, I read I read articles. I Anyway, Good so Brand- <laughs> Brandy Chastain was originally slated to be the sixth in line to take penalties. She had faced the Chinese keeper before, and Gao Hong was able to read her really well, psych her out, and would stop enough of the penalty kicks that they had had before that it was an issue for Chastain. But Tony DeChico, in all of his wisdom, had Brandy Chastain practicing with her left foot instead of her natural right. So when it came time to do penalties for this game, Chastain was put into the number five spot and shot with her left foot, which Gao Hong was not expecting, and Chastain scored. Hell yeah. I respect the mental toughness that it takes in that moment to go up against a keeper that you know has stopped you before and to put all the things that you've practiced to the test to get that goal scored. So good. And one thing that I noticed about the actual shot that itself, you know, it went up into the like upper right corner, most penalty shots and like what you're taught is like low into the corners, but it just made it like that much more exciting that it was like a lofted ball that made it in. It was, it was beautiful to watch. So good. This is exciting. Hooray. This is the second World Cup win. As we mentioned earlier, they won in 1991, the year of our birth. (laughs) yes birds <laughs> there was more than one <laughs> yes indeed so and then you know we've won it again and then again and you know i guess that's enough but it's a record just so you know what follows is probably the moment i would say that it is it is one of the most famous in sports of all times but it is certainly the moment that everyone remembers from this particular game. I mean, the squad is known as the 99ers and this is like the iconic moment. 
from that game. If you don't know, we will paint a picture. <laughs> we'll paint a lovely picture. Anna and I are artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. We've already kind of talked about this. Nine other penalties have been taken at this point. And the U.S. is tied with China at four penalties. Brandy Chastain comes in, steps up, takes a shot, makes a goal. It's great. And then literally as soon as she sees that the goal is a goal <laughs> that she scored. Good stuff. I can talk. She is so excited and whips her jersey off. And so she's sitting there like on her knees, like fists in the air, black sports bra, just like team running over. It is, it's nuts. And the crowd is losing their minds. The team is losing their minds. Like Anna and me as seven-year-olds. <laughs> Likely losing our minds in California and Tennessee, respectively. Minds were being lost worldwide. It's true. And in another bit of research I did, because apparently this is what I do now, um, <laughs> the very famous photo of Brandy Chastain that was on like Time Magazine and Sports Illustrated and like a bunch of things um, was taken by a photographer who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. He wasn't supposed to be behind the net. He was supposed to be someplace else. And so he was like, well, let me move. And then all of the people who worked there were like, no, you moving is going to be more distracting. So you just kind of like shuffle over here and that's just where you're going to have to be parked. And then because he was there, he took that iconic photo of Brandy wow. Chastain. That's so cool. Fun fact. Nice. Thanks. This is a point of contention for some folks, or at least it was at the time. By some folks, we mean assholes. Yes. Just some bullshit. It should not have been. As Anna said, it was shat on by others. If you don't know, shat is the past tense of shit. <laughs> Just a nice grammar lesson for you. Anyway, it was criticized as being calculated and disrespectful, unfeminine, unladylike, some other bullshit, inappropriate, whatever, whatever. I'm sorry. No. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. To which I say, suck it. Yes. I would say that Anna doesn't say that lightly, but she says it all the time, but she means it. <laughs> Always. Every time. This kind of criticism, not only, I mean- like, obviously, we have the, just the very basic, like, sexist as hell criticisms of her, like, taking off her shirt. And, like, my husband, Anthony, was watching this game with me and was like, hey, that kid has a shirt off. That man has a shirt off. Why aren't they getting criticized for taking their shirts off? But it's also because of just the level of excitement and the level of celebration, I think. Because, I mean, there was so much joy. I mean, there was a point where Julie Foudy was literally rolling on top of Brandy Chastain. She was so excited. It was so it was so fun to watch because they were just so filled with joy after that 120-minute word of the day, slog. Is that the title of this week's podcast? The slog. Happy <laughs> the <defense>. slog, miss. <laughs> if you all don't know, in the 2019 World Cup, the U.S. Women's National Team played its first game against Thailand and won in a blowout 13-0 win. <laughs> and good stuff. Good words. <laughs> and there were so many people that were criticizing them. Yeah. So there are so many people criticizing them, including other players, like past players, people who had jobs with like BBC and different kind of sports networks worldwide were also criticizing them and they were saying that it was over the top it was unnecessary at that point like you should show some sportsmanship because you're like you're winning but I would like any person playing in a high stakes sports game to tell me the adrenaline and excitement wouldn't carry them to overtop celebrations like realistically people playing sports in the park get hyped and do shit like that yeah. all the time <laughs> So I are like, we saying, I feel like I flip people off. I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So are we saying that they shouldn't celebrate because they're women and that's not okay for them? Or because being proud of your achievements in an over-the-top manner can only be done by men? Like, what are we saying here? And I also cannot tell you how many dude soccer players I have seen whip their shirts off. Like, in celebration of a goal. Not even, just like a regular goal. Like, in a game. Not like winning the World Cup goal. <laughs> For example, the most famous soccer player in the world is Cristiano Ronaldo. And every time he scores a goal, he does a very specific celebration and it is like his thing. And sometimes it's standing, sometimes it's like a slide across the grass. But whenever he does it, people are like, hell yeah, that's Ronaldo. Like he's so cool. But God forbid a woman does any sort of celebration and they're like, um, excuse me, 
you should just be happy to be here. Yeah, like people getting pissed at Alex Morgan and the England game in the 2019 World Cup where she does her little tea thing, a little drinking the tea, which I would say is also now iconic. Like, yeah. So, you know, you go Brandy Chastain. We're proud of you. Whip that shirt off <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> Get it. So can I just say that rewatching this game gave me chills? Like watching history being made was rad as hell. So awesome. Like I – I'm a little bit more emotional than Anna. If you know the Enneagram, I'm a four. Anna's an eight. So I'm all I'm all over here in my feelings all the time. And I've <laughs> never heard of them. What's that? <laughs> but I really legit, like I kind of felt some tears welling up. Like it was emotional. And I remember like writing in my fourth grade journal that I wanted to be a professional women's soccer player and to win a World Cup. And this game is what made me want that. And they're just, they're all queens. Every last one of them. This was so cool. I hope that we review other games, like past games that are just as iconic because this was so cool to revisit, but there's nothing like this game. It's true. So good. We're going to post a link. There will be a link on our all our places. Here, Anna, tell us about those places. <laughs> <laughs> that link will be um, on our Instagram. You can follow us at HowPixPod. We will put it on our Twitter which you can follow us at HatPicksPod. And if you just like want the link in a different way, you can email us at HatPicksPod at gmail.com. <laughs> and you can also Google it and then go to YouTube or just go to YouTube. And I don't <laughs> no. know you'd have to Google YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> go to YouTube. Yes, I know how the internet works. Um, but it's great. It's available for free on YouTube. We'll make sure that you have a way to access it and that you can watch all this exciting fun pretty much commercial free and if there i think there's one commercial at halftime and you could fast forward right through that shit so how exciting but we hope you all have a merry hat picksmas thanks for joining us and a hattie new year <laughs> <laughs> oh that was good that was that was good i'll give you that one <laughs> Well, on that note, I'm Jillian. And I'm Anna. And this has been the Hat Fix Podcast. Gold. Solid. Gold.